All right. Now, I need you to be bold and brave, and you, this won't be hard for, for you when I ask you this question. I need to know how many of you are really competitive. How many of you are like, I'm competitive, right? Raise your hand real high. You don't even have to have a hard time. If you're competitive, you're like, oh, yeah. Let's, my, I can raise my hand higher. So that's you. Thank God for all the competitive folks getting things done around here, right? Healthy competition is actually a great thing we've learned. We even get to see in scripture. It's helpful in many ways, but there's all, of course, there's always those people that go overboard. I don't know if you've ever even just uh, in doing relationship or hanging out with people, uh, you'll be having a conversation and there's always that person that has to one up you in the conversation. You ever had that where you're like, yeah, man, I just took my kid out fishing. It was awesome. He caught a four pound bass. It was so great. And then they're like, yeah, I took my kid fishing and he wrestled a hammerhead by himself with his hands. And you're like, awesome. It's cool. Great. But we experience that all the time. But the reason we experience that and we'll see that is because people like to win. Even if you're not uber competitive, Everyone likes the idea of being victorious, right? We're getting to win at something. Nobody ever wants to be on the losing side of things, right? You don't want to lose games. You don't want, how many of you have ever had like a really intense game of like, I don't know, Scrabble going on or something like that. And all of a sudden it went off the rails and you just had to like push the pause button and go, we're not going to play games anymore, right? Because you so desperately want to win. Nobody likes to lose. You don't want to lose games. You don't want to lose arguments, right? You don't want to lose our cool, okay? You don't want to lose your hair. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. No one wants to lose things. We don't want to lose, right? Whatever the angle is, no one feels like losing. And that's okay because that's a part of our makeup, right? In the words of the great philosopher Nacho Libre, I want to win, right? That's what he says, Right? That's what we want to have, and we're exploring this series called What Do We Really Need? Because we're looking deep into the human framework, people that are built, every one of us made in the image of God, and there's this thing inside of us circulating around that says, I don't want to lose. I do want to win. I, I do want to experience victory, right? Winning, having victory in our lives is front and center. But here's the question. What does it actually look like to win? I mean, what does it look like in everyday life to actually experience victory? I remember the hashtag from uh, Charlie Sheen. He was an actor. And he was going through like a crazy moment. It was last one of the 30 crazy moments of his life. And he had a hashtag that was winning. And effectively, it was always about, I get to do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do. Hashtag winning. And that was his kind of definition of winning. But that isn't really winning, right? Winning is not just getting to do whatever we want to do. That can't be it because any of us who've had any amount of time to live in this life knows that when you get to do what you want to do, no matter the cost to other people, it doesn't actually bring joy. It doesn't actually bring real fulfillment. In fact, getting to do whatever we want to do and whenever we want to do and however we want to do it at the cost of others, it actually ends up bringing a lot of pain. So that's not really what winning is. It's getting to go out and do whatever. That's not central in the need of the human experience. In fact, I'd like to just make, a, I think I could make a significant argument that to actually to experience real victory comes often when we experience sacrifice and being given on behalf of others, even at our own loss, 
We get to experience victory when we serve other people or we lay our lives down in other ways. And of course, we know that because that starts with the character of God, because we have a sacrificial, faithful God. And I want to look and open that up in Romans chapter 8. You go to uh, turn to verse 31. That's where we're going to start this morning. And we're going to take a look at this incredible, faithful, sacrificial God and what it looks like to actually experience and know and walk in victory. Romans 8 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul's quoting Psalm here. No, in all these things, look, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, this is where it is, right? Victory. Winning. Because of this radical, sacrificial love of God, you and I are victorious. That not only in Christ are you and I actually victorious, but you, son or daughter, you're a conqueror. And not only that, you're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, right? This is the promise for everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. What he says is, you've now become a conquering victor overcoming whatever it is. And the question is, well, great, but why don't I ever feel victorious? Or why do I often find myself not feeling like I'm really living in a lot of victory? In fact, if you looked at my life, maybe it looks like I'm struggling a, a whole lot or struggling to find victory. So the question is, how am I actually more than a conqueror? If that's the promise, if that's what I get in Jesus, if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is I'm now made victorious fully and more than a conqueror, then what does that actually look like? How does that look? I don't know how many of you um, have a home team that you root for. We have a home team. I have a home uh, alma mater we, we root for. You guys Titans fans out here? No, nobody's Titans fans because nobody came from Tennessee. That's what I figured out. All right, at least you're like, no, we're not. We're trying, but you can't. Preds, Preds fans, Preds, couple. You're like, hey, come, I'm good. Um, the new soccer team. Okay, all right. Well, we found the soccer nerds. Okay, um, no, I love it. We love soccer. It's great. Uh, it's good. Good European sweet sport. Um, no, it's good. It's a good sport. Um, 
But here's what happens when your team, sorry, I just like to get on. I love soccer people. It's precious in Jesus' sight. It's good. I'm good. I'm going to be in trouble with some friends after this. Anyway, um, when you root for your team and they win, what do you say? Well, you say, yeah, yes. It's good. That's first. After that, you say, we won. We won. And of course, the question is, at what point in time, while you were sitting on the couch eating chips, <laughs> did you win anything? I mean, just truly. But that's what you're, you're saying, we won, and you're texting your buddy, man, can you believe how amazing we were on defense? We were locked down. I have these texts exist on my phone with my brother, my parents, you know, all my, all my friends and, you know, our team back home. And I just, it's so funny because what you believe is we won because that's my people. That's my family. Those are my people. Right? That's, that's my team. That's my hometown, right? I'm a season ticket holder. Or I'm, that's where I went to school or whatever it is. And you, that's, you grew up in that place. And so you care, right? They are yours and you are theirs. And you are all in on that. And you feel the victory. You're elated when they win. Even though you ate chips, they won. You feel it. It's awesome. Church. If you want to know what it means to live victorious, to experience winning, right, then we have to go all in. Everybody say all in. All in. You got to go all in on believing that Jesus is yours and you are his and the victory that he won is for you and you're living and thriving in it. And it might feel like you just sat on the couch eating potato chips, but Jesus has done this for you. And hear this. He did more than win a game on your behalf. He changed your life forever. He anchored and guaranteed your future for an eternity. And he has said, you're a son, daughter, and you are a co-heir with me, and you'll rule and reign forever with me. He won for you. And you can celebrate that more so than you ever have with any cool football team. We're meant to celebrate and to believe it and to treasure it and to own it because he is yours and you are his. And nothing, as we said last week, can change that. And if that's true, well, church, we should perk up just a little bit, shoulders back, ready to take on whatever it is that may be in front because God's got us. And what he says is, you're not just victorious, you're a conqueror. And not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. More than. There's more for you if you'll believe it and walk in it. Right now, no matter what, hear this. If you're in Christ, everything behind you and everything in front of you has already been fully won. Everything. That incredibly broken and dark thing that hangs over you and your head from your past. When you give your life to Jesus, he grabs that incredibly ugly, broken thing and he puts it on his shoulders. He took it to the cross and then he buried it in the grave 
to stay there forever. And then he came out alive. And what the scripture says is he pulled you up with him and he seated you next to him and says, you have my life. We cannot live under the shame of the past. When you're in Christ, that's the, that is the point of the gospel is we don't stay there anymore. We gotta live in the victory that he accomplished. And for those of you that are looking and it feels like there is a mountain ahead, that, that huge thing standing in front of you, facing you, that mountain that you feel fear or anxiety or worry, like how are we gonna make this work or how is that gonna get fixed or how are we gonna be able to make it through that, that thing? Hear this, God moves mountains. Not only that, but they listen, Psalm 97, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. These are the truths that we were called to believe. That we may find ourselves wrestling with the past or fearful of the future. And what the scripture is saying is, church, believe the victory has been won. You're more than a conqueror. That's who you are. It was already accomplished for you. It feels immovable, but it isn't with Jesus. If we'll open our hands and say, okay, you get it. You have it. It's yours. He's in control. He, he's already achieved the victory for us on our behalf. And for that, church, it's meant to be treasured and cherished. It's meant to be loved and celebrated. He's, he's looking for us to lean in and believe. How can we know this? How, how can we be anchored in that? Because, I mean, if we're honest, some of the stuff that we wrestle with, the sin that we feel entangled in that we can't get away from, or the frustration, or, or that thing that seems like I've been asking for years, and it won't move, and it won't change, and the worries that we carry, how, how is it that we actually get to live in that? How can that happen? What does it look like? And I love what he says in Romans 8.32. If you want to know, if you want to have this anchored in your mind, in your heart today, look at Romans 8.32. Here's what it says. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us everything? That's the rhetorical question that Paul wants to ask. If God was so good and so radically loving and so deeply sacrificial and willing to give his life, how can we not believe that everything that we're in need of for life, for hope, for peace, for joy, for victory isn't fully given? What he's saying is you got to believe if the father would send his own son, then he has, he has life for you. You have to believe it. You got to stand in it. He's saying stop we talked about this a few weeks ago. Stop living like orphans and believe that you're sons and daughters and you have a father who's leading you and he's with you. That's the beginning point 
of living out a life of freedom is believing and trusting in the victory that's already been accomplished. If God was willing to go through these lengths, church, I think what he's saying is please don't stay in the shadows. Please don't stay in the, if the victory's already been accomplished, stop staying in the broken place and come up here with me and let's walk together hand in hand in a very real and authentic way. That's the place at which we begin to fully walk out in freedom, right? Because that's what winning actually means, right? If victory is not always getting what I want, then what is it? It's actually being set free from guilt and shame, from all of our failures, but also having power, having true and authentic and real power to step into what God has for us, to step into our true God-ordained future. Power, real life. Church, that's amazing news. We're not just cleaned and cleansed and made whole from a broken past. Church, we've got power to step into what God has for us, true power. And he's just looking for those that are willing to believe the word more than what they believe the lie of the enemy in their ear. Just looking. Who's willing to believe and trust and to step into this? It's what he wants for us. And I love that that gets reflected all throughout the text we read because then Paul starts to ask those rhetorical questions again, meaning who's going to bring charge against you is what he's saying. Who's bringing charge against you? You've been justified by the God of the universe. Who's coming against you? Who's bringing the lie Who's telling you you can't rise up? Who's telling you you don't have power? Who's telling you you can't overcome? Who's telling you you've gone too far? Who's telling you you can't make it? Who's telling you you're never good enough? Who's telling you you're not spiritual enough? Who's coming against you with any accusation? You've been justified. You've been made right and whole by the God of the universe. What are they going to say to that? What are you going to say to that? It's what he says. It's God who justifies. Who's going to condemn you? Who's going to condemn you? How is it even possible for you to be condemned? Because it says Jesus sits at the right hand of God and he's interceding for you even now, standing right now, right? He's at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is, right? You and I die. Listen, you ever seen the, um, the cartoon? Like when the person dies, they go to the pearly gates and St. Peter's there right? Usually, usually on some kind of joke or cartoon or something like that. Listen, cute, theologically abhorrent, okay? Just wrong, okay? <laughs> just candidly, just letting you know. Just bad. Truth is, you and I, when this life is finished, you're going to go face to face with the Son of God. And it's one of two things It's going to happen. He's going to look and he'll either say, depart from me because I did not know you. Or for all who call on him, he'll say, that's the one who loved me. That's the one that I stood. I covered him 
with my blood. I gave my life for him. I gave my life for her. That's who they are. Come on in. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. That's it. These are the realities before us, and God's wanting us to go. Jesus is there. He's interceding for you, standing, championing, cheering for you. Does it make sense if, if you can imagine Jesus standing and kind of being like, let's do this. Come on. Let's do it. We're a family. What I did for you, I want you to live in it. I don't want you just to think about it or see it or hear it from the red-faced preacher on Sunday. I want you to believe you have been justified, made whole. There's no condemnation for you. So let's stand up in it and walk out what God has for our lives. Nothing should be holding us back. No one can bring accusation against you. Whatever accusation is being brought against you, it's keeping you held back. Hear this, church? It's a lie. Jesus has accomplished the victory for you. That's what he'd say in Romans 8. There's verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation, none, for those who are in Christ Jesus Knowing and following Jesus, it frees us from that condemnation from our past, right? It's what it does. But not only that, we're set free from, not only are we set free from condemnation, but guess what? We get to live out in true power together. That's what Romans 8, 2 says, right? For the law of the spirit of life has set you free, in Christ, from the law of sin and death. That meaning, when I'm all in with Jesus, when I'm fully all in, I have power over sin. And that's what the scripture would say over and over and over and over, right? We used to be locked in in our sin habits and patterns. We were locked down in shame and guilt and condemnation because we were a mess. That's who we were, but not anymore. That's who we were, but not anymore. The law of the spirit of life is now in me. In other words, doing life on my own apart from Jesus always led to sin and death. But in him and with him, because Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law, he is my righteousness. He's my righteousness. I don't have it, but he's my righteousness. And we get to walk in that. To which we get to ask the question, well, Pastor, why do I wrestle at times with sin? Why do I still wrestle? What, what, you know, why is it if all of this victory has been accomplished, why do we tend to still have that kind of frustration from time to time as we wrestle and struggle with sin? And I love, of course, we get to always go back to the scripture. First Peter chapter two, Peter says, listen, like newborn infants, long for that pure spiritual milk, long for effectively the truth that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, what Paul, or what Paul and Peter are saying here is, you, you are right now, if you're in Christ, you're fully saved and you're growing in being saved. Both. It's both and. And so we may not have it all together right now, 
And we often will feel condemnation, but what Jesus is saying is, no, your position has been secured perfectly and fully, but I'm also calling you to continue to grow into it, as the scripture says here. That's who you are, right? Jesus made it clear, right, that in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, what do you got to do? He says, you got to be born again. Some of you grew up in faith tradition, like born again. That sounds so good. Born again, meaning we're starting from scratch in a new life. And in that new life, there's new growth. You guys that had kids, you know what it's like. New kid, they know nothing. Right? You ever had a baby? And look at the baby and just be angry because they can't do algebra? <laughs> I'm just, just honest. You can look at your little toddler, two-year-old. He can't even climb up the stairs on the playground. You're like, why aren't you doing calculus yet? You know? But often, hey, we do this with our lives. We condemn ourselves when we don't have it all figured out. And what the Lord says is, oh, I've already purchased the position for you. Now, like a child, you're growing into it. And I just want you to take steps and trust me. You can stay dead in shame and guilt. Or you can just keep stepping forward. Open your hands up and say, okay, Lord, let's do this. This is the life we were meant to have. It's the life we were called to have, to step into. There's the journey of growing into the man and woman, the men and women that we're meant to be, the thing that he's already made us. It's what Ephesians 4 says. He goes, listen, you were taught in him. As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. Hear this. Now, this is so good. This is your homework scripture. You were taught to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, right? There it is. That if you want to have new and fresh victory from your past and victory to step into your God-ordained future right over sin, it starts right here at the beginning by just saying, nope, I'm not living on the brokenness of the past. I'm stepping forward to my future. This is what the call is in Christ. That's what he's calling me to. I take the old self. I take the broken, the corrupt, the weak, the selfish, the angry, the bitter, the shameful part of who I have been, who I was, and I'm just pulling that off. And I'm gonna stand in this new identity that I've been given. I'm just gonna open up my hands and receive it. We get to remove those heavy chains. And what does it say? Let your mind just be changed and be renewed in who you really are. That truly I believe I'm in Christ. That he's already won for me. That I've been cleansed and made whole. And all of a sudden when I read the word of God, it changes and it begins to mold me. And I put on myself, uh, uh, put on the new self. And I begin to move in a different way. And we start to say things like this. Today, I'm, I am like my father. I've been made in his image. And today, I've been made new again. And yesterday is old news. 
because God has something fresh for me today. I'm going to believe that. And so I'm just going to give my life to you again. And I'm going to keep stepping into this. I'm going to ask our team to come forward. We're going to finish this morning with, just, with a chance to worship. Today's a day we get to celebrate a special moment in the point in scripture as Jesus is on his way to lay his life down for us. It's called Palm Sunday. Thank God for Palm Sunday. What, what did we get to see on Palm Sunday? What Jesus came in victoriously, not like a governmental overthrower, but just a sacrificial king who sat on a donkey. And they got palm branches and they just celebrated. Hear this. They celebrated prophetically the victory that Jesus was already going to win. And they were ready to say, we know we need something besides ourselves and we're so grateful for our coming king. It was that prophetic step just to say, no, I don't want to live in the past anymore. I want the new king to come and have his way and have his dominion and have his rulership and authority. That's the power of what we get to do on Palm Sunday is to remember he's a victorious king. But he didn't come in macho. He came in sacrificial to say, whatever it takes to bring you into my family so that we can all say, we won. We won. We won. It might feel like I'm not doing much, but guess what? We won. That's what God wants. He wants that from his children. So we're gonna do that this morning. You guys stand with me. And we're just gonna declare victory fresh and new. We'll finish this morning in worship. But if you would, just if you close your eyes so you can just let everything kind of melt for just a moment. We only have just a few minutes left, so stay with me. But can we just do what the scripture has called us to do? Let's just take this moment by faith in a supernatural way and just pull off the old self and the thing that's broken and corrupt. And whatever that means for you, just with your eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or any of those kind of things. This is between you and the Lord. Would you just bring with authenticity and honesty the thing, the broken thing that sits on you? Maybe it's guilt or shame or fear. Maybe it's disappointment. Your faith has really been wounded. Have you really hurt and locked down in unforgiveness? Maybe you just feel bound up like you're not good enough to step into what God has for you. Maybe you just feel exhausted. Wherever it is and wherever you're at, would you just pull off, as the scripture says, take off the old self and toss it right now.
Lord, we just give you our old self, the thing that's broken. We give it to you. Now just ask him to renew your mind. All right, God, change my mind about who I am right now. Just ask him. I am not stuck. I'm not nobody. I'm not forgotten, I'm not abandoned. I'm not damaged goods. I am son, daughter of the Most High God. Just let the Lord speak. In fact, would you say, would you just tell me who I am right now? Just speak it. If you'll ask him, he'll tell you. I'm just gonna give us 30 seconds. that you've had years, years of trying to prove yourself. And you have a father saying, no more. I'm I'm your worth and value. I am the light of your life. You don't have to prove anything. I've already done it for you. And then from that word, would you just, and if it helps you to open your hands, you can do that. You don't have to do that, but just receive the fact that you're, in, you're made brand new right now and say, I'm more than a conqueror. I receive the new self. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. It's who I am. It's who I've always destined to be. victorious I have power and right now just receive it I have power to overcome in fact I'm just going to ask right now for anyone who's willing to ask God would you just give fresh power for overcoming sin and temptation right fresh power for overcoming the lie of the enemy that has tried to keep you down like there's new power just to receive and walk in it thank you, Lord, that you're giving that. Because if you did not spare your one and only son, but gave him up for us, how will you not with him give us all things? Come on, the Lord has this for you if you'll receive it. Lord, we just choose to walk in this new identity, fresh identity today walking out what you have for us tomorrow and the next day, walking with you in relationship because you stand right now to intercede on our behalf. 
You're so ready for tomorrow. More than we are, you're ready for the next day. You know exactly what we need. You can supply everything we could possibly need. Already, you're, ahead, you're a step ahead always going before us. And we choose to walk with you and not alone. We choose to walk with you and not alone. So Lord, we just make our hearts ready. You're the king. We trust you. We worship you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.